up, Slap Nuts? This is the King of the Mountain, Jeff Jarrett, and you're listening to the Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Hey, everyone out there. This is your pal, Dane. It's another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, where we bring to you the best um, and most entertaining version of the news of wrestling for the last week. So uh, thank you guys for joining us today. It's a wonderful day over here in Georgia. Kind of cool, kind of nice, same time, you know, sort of thing. But you didn't listen to this to talk, to listen to me talk about that type of stuff. You want to hear wrestling. So let me introduce, of course, my co-host, Mr. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, Chris? I am doing absolutely wonderful. And I am so stoked to talk about wrestling. We have so much to go through on the show. Um, what about the drop by uh, by Jeff Jarrett? Wow, Double J. Seems awesome, man. Yeah, good old J- Jeff Jarrett, man. Uh, just a very, very fun interview. Actually, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. I think that I see where you're going for now. But uh, if you guys haven't checked out the interview, YouTube, iTunes, uh, blog talk, however you listen to us, of course. Uh, check out my interview from last Friday with soon-to-be Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett. Uh, great chatting with him for a short period of time. Apparently, I don't remember the terminology he said because he sounded like, you know, kind of like my dad and stuff like that. He, he seemed to be on the same level on that type of concept. But uh, follow-up, long-through interview, I, we're, we're going to have him on again. And when we do – we're definitely going to ask him some more questions about the industry and stuff because, I mean, you got one of the best workers, a, a, a family lineage like the Jarrett's uh, as far as Memphis wrestling and stuff like that, and also one of my personal top heels of all time. I, there was a time period, like I told him, that he did a great job because I hated his guts. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, uh, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame when we talk to him. So, Crazy stuff, guys. More interviews to come. We definitely have a bunch of stuff in the pipeline. So uh, let's start talking about this stuff. Does that sound good, Chris? Sounds awesome, man. All right. Well, if we get to the top of this, uh, I kind of wanted to go over the New Japan uh, Secure Genesis. Uh, it was the other night. I want to go over the last three matches, the big ones, uh, the one that everyone's talking about, Chris. Um, starting and pretty much mainly – with this match between Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Will Ospreay retained. This was an incredible match. Uh, it showcased both talent, I think, spectacular. Like, they, they were both great in the ring. This is – I've always liked Marty, you know, a wrestler, but I think this is one of the best matches I saw him as far as sequences. Sometimes it can be a little bit slower, and it kind of throws it off. Their sequences for, for everything they did was spot-on awesome, and his heel work was great. I mean, compared to the match that I just previously saw him in with Okada, or not with Okada, um, with uh, Kenny uh, for that tag match, yeah, it, it just seemed like he was kind of like goofing around and stuff like that. But I like that about Marty is that he can flip it and be so heelish, and he did a great job with that. It was an incredible match. I definitely think some of the stuff that they did was a little bit, I don't know. I get scared a lot of times when I'm watching these guys in New Japan. I'm sure it's very similar to how people felt when they were watching ECW back in the day. I didn't watch too much until like right towards the end. So um, I don't know. There was two things in particular. Marty, when he gave him a pile driver on the outside, and there was definitely a connection 
between Will's uh, head and the ground, and I know the concept of the pile driver. Um, and the fact that Will was talking that he couldn't, he almost canceled his, his stuff, and he actually said he's going to still do them. Uh, for this weekend, he has a bunch of, I think he has six matches total he's supposed to be in for the whole entire weekend from Friday to Sunday. And he almost canceled him because he couldn't move his neck back and forth. He got nailed a bunch of times. And the other one, of course, was the, um, oh, man, I forgot what the, the name of it is. Oh, Spanish Fly, I think, off the uh, apron onto the floor where he caught his head and cut himself open. Did it to himself, but it was just the, some of the accuracy, ugh, God, it's, it's, it's brutal. Chris, uh, how did you like the match? And were you kind of like, you know, nervous at certain points like I was? I would say for sure. Obviously, they were trying to target. They, I mean, Marty was playing off targeting the neck. And I think maybe Will Ospreay played into it a little too hard on, uh, on the way he was taking certain moves. The Spanish fly was the scariest spot in the match. It's one of those two things where I, two spots I think you could have took out of the match and, and maybe even had a better match without scaring everyone. Um, they've had great matches in the past and this one kind of, to me, fell short of what they've been able to do, uh, before as far, as far as their, at the level that I've seen these two guys at, I didn't uh, dislike, like the mask, uh, match, but there was some scary spots and I, I guess it's just still me thinking about like the Shibata incident and our guys trying to do too much, um, which was a big topic on Twitter this week. And once again, I mean, they're building, they're building up to, you know, this giant weekend where all these guys are going to be highlighted. So they're doing as much as they can and, and trying to get as much traction as they can on the internet. So these guys are putting in a little bit uh, of a harder effort. Uh, but it, it, yeah, it was, it, there were some scary spots in the match. Overall, I liked it. Uh, it wasn't my favorite match of the night, but it, it was enjoyable. And the, and the Spanish fly spot off the apron was very, very scary. And I'm glad that uh, Will Osprey's okay, and it sounds like he's going to be working. Uh, I think the pile driver earlier might have affected some of this match as well. And, and those two spots kind of drugged down the, the ending of the match. But uh, there, were some, there were some good spots after that where the sequences looked really, really great. And probably was the best part of the match, but it was just kind of it was it was kind of kind of scary. This thing went it was like a thirty minute match, if I recall. Um, with those two, if you take those two scary parts out of the match, I think it you still could have had something great. Marty was really is really good about picking a body part and really working on it and making it seem believable. And uh, Will Osprey is just an absolute monster right now in the ring. Um, it's unfortunate he took that bump. I'm glad to hear he's okay. Uh, but that yeah, I agree with you. Those were two two really scary spots. Yeah, man, it's it's all about the bump card, too. And, I mean, this is kind of like how I felt about the Hangman Page and uh, Jay White uh, match the week before that. Just, you know, they – they uh, I don't want to say reckless because these guys know what they're doing, but it's it's just the point where it's like they're not thinking about the long haul. And I hate, I hate to sound like a lot of people because, I mean, you just kind of like, you know, uh, were insinuating that with what you were saying about what's going on on Twitter. But, I mean, I think they should pick – times to do this and not try it every single time and try to outdo themselves because I don't know, we're, we're going to get more Shibatas. Um, I don't want, I don't want that to happen, obviously, Chris, but it's just, there's something about just going all out the whole entire match and, and, the, and compared to, you know, really having it build up to a grand finale, if you will, and using it here or there. But um, 
I even heard Jr. say the same thing. He he calls it. I, I feel like that man's about to have a heart attack every time he watches the matches because they can go from, you know, an old school style that he's very fond of, uh, you know, to that extreme slash extremely aerial style that is kind of incorporated from the nineties, basically, but that just takes it to that, like that scarier place. But, you know, it, it's not that like we don't like watching this type of stuff. We just don't want these guys to get hurt. And, uh, Obviously, I guess the biggest thing is they know themselves better than us. They know their body, so it's their body. I don't, I don't, I don't really see a way around it either way. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Yeah, I do. And, and I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the way they stack these matches because you're looking at Will Ospreay versus Marty Scroll, but then the following matches are, you know, Kenny Omega, the Golden Lovers versus Cody and Hangman Page, and then at the end of that card, you have Okada versus Zack Saber. And all these guys want to steal the show. I, I think at this point, it's not that New Japan's asking them to go out there and fucking kill themselves or anything. It's just that that's the level of competition right now in New Japan, especially yeah. at the top of the card. I mean, everybody wants to be that guy. And I, I like I saw like people are like, you're just trying to get Dave Meltzer to pop and that kind of shit. But I think it's that level of competition between these athletes of who's going to put on the best show and who's going to steal the crowd and, and who's going to get talked about online. I, th- I think it's bigger than just like Meltzer giving it a high star rating, which I saw a lot of people reference for some reason online. But I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys like Marty Scroll and, and uh, you know, and uh, uh, the elite, I mean, these guys are friends and uh, Will Ospreay. And uh, even if you look at Will Ospreay and uh, Zack Sabre Jr., of course they've had you know, a pretty well-documented past. All these guys are just trying to do the best that they can because they're they're all fucking phenomenal and they want to see who can top each other. And sometimes, you know, that, that comes at a price. Um, I think this is the first time in a long time we've seen such a stacked card in a New Japan environment or a smaller... You know, It's been a while since we saw this, like, kind of in Ring of Honor where you had, like, you know... Uh, such a you know such a top tier amount of wrestlers where you're talking about like Kevin Owens and El Generico and the Briscoes and all these guys were just trying to have the best match they could, um, and I, I think we're seeing a little bit of that uh, here where they're just all trying to top each other, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily equal safety. Of course, in WWE, a lot of the stuff gets dialed back quite a bit, and that's just the WWE style. But I mean, if you had the same thing with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins and AJ Styles, and uh, Nakamura, and Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, and you were like, okay, guys, go out there and just fuck, don't hold anything back. You guys got 40 minutes to work with. Just put it all in. I think you would be seeing similar stuff. Uh, probably not yeah. as much from AJ Styles, but from a lot of the other guys. And I think that's that's a thing to think about before you, you go on Twitter and start saying they're, they're doing way too much. Because uh, at the end of the day, they, I mean, they kind of all want to be the best, right? You want to be the best at what you do in any anything you do, um, and sometimes you step over a line. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you take on in, in a normal work environment. Maybe you take on more than you actually should, and then you're like, "Holy shit! That means I'm going to work 80 hours this week instead of 40." I think it happens to all of us in some sense, um, but to me, that's that's kind of what happened here. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's my kind of overall thought of it. I, I think that it's cool that Osprey called off Kushida because I think that'll be a great match. And uh, yeah. their first match they had together was amazing. The rest of the fights they've uh, matches that they've had or fights they've had 
uh, hasn't been as great. So it'd be it'd be cool to see them kind of get all this program with scroll and and have Kushida versus Osprey because I think that'll be really really good and it'll it'll slow down. It'll slow down a little bit of this competition, I think, uh, between the Bullet Club guys. Which I'm not going to blame any. Uh, I'm not going to blame anything on Marty. I, I think it's just one of those things where both guys just wanted to put on the best match they could on a pretty stacked end of a card. Uh, maybe if you separate these yep. matches out a little bit, I think you get maybe a different outcome. I agree with you. All right, let's go to the next match: Cody Rhodes and Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, aka the Golden Lovers. Uh, Cody ends up winning, I believe, from a roll-up, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with Kota Ibushi. Uh, great match, uh, once again. Uh, amazing spots. Uh, very great build-up. Great storytelling. Uh, everything that's going on between Kenny and, and, and Cody's relationship and, and Kenny and Kota's relationship as trying to be the most dominant tag team. You know, all that type of stuff really was enhanced throughout the match. Uh, there was a part where... <laughs> Kenny gave a spin kick, I believe. It sucks because it was off camera, and this is one of the things I will say that WWE has over New Japan is production. Um, you know, even like when it comes to instant replays, I don't, I'm assuming they didn't re- replay it because they didn't catch it on camera. I don't know either that, or sometimes they give us replays, sometimes they don't. In certain spots, I think stuff like this, like when you have a spin kick that splits open uh, Cody's uh, eyebrow, uh, I mean, you had two hard ways for this pay-per-view, which was crazy. But with this, um, I would have liked to see the contact. Obviously, it wasn't supposed to happen. And probably Cody, I'm, I'm assuming, would have walked into it or something. But he was bleeding like a stuffed pig the whole entire time. Huge fan of Cody Rhodes. He's really impressed me recently. I love his heel work. I love how he's smiling with the blood and kind of playing with it. I just like certain mannerism. He, he comes off very unhinged, but very cocky and arrogant at the same time. And I kind of – I. I'm starting to dig it. Um, you know, it's better than Stardust. Uh, but, yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Um, I thought, I mean, that table spot was ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. They were beating the crap out of each other, especially like Kenny with the, the smashed orbital bone like he has already. See the bruising. Going full force, man, and they had a great match. Um, enjoy the hell out of it. Chris, how would you feel? I, I really like this match a lot, mostly because of the storytelling just continues between – you know, your weird side of the Bullet Club, and then this uh, connection with the Golden Lovers, who I've been looking forward to getting back together for a while. So it's it's just, it was really good storytelling. I think that uh, Cody did a great job of playing up, you know, him himself as the heel and uh, getting the roll-up pin uh, after Paige saved his life, basically, uh, from Coda. So it was kind of just a good finish to the match. It did make me feel bad about a roll-up pin for once. And uh, overall, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this match. I wouldn't put it on the same level as what, you know, the Lovers and uh, the Young Bucks were able to do, which we talked about last week, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, the beatdown afterwards made sense. Um, and then Omega, you know, kind of getting the better of them uh, towards the end where he stole the chair uh, from Cody and ran him off, which, which made sense. Uh, and I think it leads into a lot of entertaining things this weekend, of course, with their uh, Ring of Honor Supercard match. I think we lost Dane, Hello? so I'm going to go ahead. Hey, there he is. There you back. I hate okay, it when I press mute and I don't realize it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. 
I was actually talking about this match and everything. All right, so I'll, I'll try to go backwards. Let's talk about our last match, uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was uh, awesome. I know it's not going to be for everyone. Um, I would compare, and I think I kind of did this last time, but now I really will compare Zack Sabre Jr., and his work in the ring that I've seen him, you know, last couple times, especially with Okada, it reminds me of GSP um, and UFC. And a lot of people would say that GSP is really boring because you bring someone down, work their body parts, not let them hit them, and keep on transitioning throughout a match like that in order to win. Zack Sabre Jr. is definitely more flashier, obviously, because of professional wrestling. But the way that he does it is everything connects back to a submission and the, the, the way that he made Okada's body move and Okada having the pain threshold for some of those things, because there's no way they don't hurt. I mean, they have to, to an extent. It's obviously Zach's not going to break something, but he's, he's getting very, very close and then keeps on going with other body parts. I mean, he literally, I think Don Callis said that he's like an anaconda and he was very much that the whole entire match. Um, I thought it was awesome. I love that Okada was having so much trouble with this and was, you know, the odd man out throughout the whole entire match. And then at the end, came back, it took three, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I, it really took two uh, Rainmakers, but he did one, uh, you know, didn't do it, I guess, complete, and then nailed him two more times to get him to, to, to be pinned for three. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Like I said, because of all the submission, it, it's very much like how people complain about Bret Hart and a lot of 90s wrestlers with chain wrestling. I love that stuff. I love all that stuff collectively, especially if you make it exciting, especially if it's, it's fluid and looks real. And I can't really – Zack Sabre Jr. is one of those technical wrestlers, uh, Chris, that I don't really see how much is pre-done. I, I feel like there's a lot of it where it's him working holds and stuff like that and just kind of like figuring them out and, you know, kind of leaving himself open for him to do stuff. Uh, but how did you like the match? I mean, I really enjoyed the counters that uh, obviously Saber was able to pull off. There was one off a flying elbow drop. There was another one where it, uh, you had Okada going for the Rainmaker pose that I thought was pretty great. And uh, there, there were some great moments. I think uh, there's one moment there where Saber caught Okada in – I don't know if it was exactly the same, but very similar to a move that Nakamura uh, had caught Okada in that caused uh, Okada to tap. The only time Okada had ever tapped, like his entire career. And that was like a, I think it was like G124 or G125. I can't remember right offhand. But it was a huge deal. So it really played to the crowd, especially if you're, uh, you know, if you've been keeping up with this thing for that long. And the thing I'll say about this match is, with Okada, for the first time in a long time, I felt like it, it wasn't like the you know his NATO matches or his um, Omega matches. It felt different. It reminded, it reminded me more of like the match he had against Shibata, where you had uh, kind of just different two different techniques. Um, with Shibata, obviously, it was more like Shibata and him just beat the shit out of each other. Uh, but the match felt different um, than some of the other matches he's had this year, like in, in a weird way. And I think a lot of that has to do with you know. Sabres technical wrestling so I really really enjoyed it I think it was a good switch up for Okada I think it's uh, great they're leading him back to you know after the match you know Tanahashi challenged him I think that's a really cool transition for Tanahashi and him both 
So it's it's exciting. And I um, to me, I thought this was the match of the night. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but like you said, it, it's not going to be for everyone. If you're not huge into submission wrestling, then you're probably not going to like the fact that this match was, you know, mostly an Okada beatdown with a, bu- a bunch of counters and submission holds. I thought it was really well done. I, I didn't think it was too long. And uh, there were some spots there where you, you know, you almost felt like Okada could tap, which is, you know, the most important thing in the storytelling of what they were going for in this match. Absolutely. And um, I'm just wondering, well, actually, no, and, and, and talking about what you said, it, that is actually true about the, the um, Shinsuke Nakamura thing, because Kevin Kelly, his uh, commentating on it, he also did something that Shibata did a little bit before that, exactly the same way, the exact same, like, I, I forgot what it was exactly. I don't know if it was a strike or, or something like that. But then later on, he did the exact same move that almost, you know, made him tap out for Mashinsuke. I love that level of detail uh, for that match because it was great. He was throwing literally everything in the kitchen sink at Okada. And look at Okada's, I mean, between this, Will Ospreay, who's so aerial, like, he's been able to take on everyone. Do you think that there's a possibility that the ace could get the title again and kind of be somewhat of a transitional, but also a legitimate person to be able to take the title off Okada. Or do you still want to see Omega eventually pick that up or possibly NATO, even though he's had the title before in the past? I mean, obviously the go-to would be Omega. I think Omega has some other stuff that he wants to accomplish first uh, with the way the storyline is playing out with bullet club. But, you know, right offhand, NATO is still my go-to. Uh, I think Tanahashi is kind of in an in-between role. I don't know that he's 100% healthy. And also, there's not really a reason to take it off Okada if he's going to keep putting out bangers and you're, you're going to continue to give him interesting opponents. As long as he has interesting opponents, I don't see a huge deal of taking the belt off Okada. I mean, that seems more of an American fan standpoint. I'm sure a lot of people would love to see NATO, NATO get the title um, or Kenny, Kenny get the title, obviously. Um but I, I don't know that you put it on Tanahashi right now. Uh, but I'm, you you could make the argument you put it on ta- Tanahashi, you do the transitional thing, which is kind of what I thought they were going to do with NATO. So maybe maybe they are going that route. But to me, it seems like they're they're destined on keeping this thing on, on Okada until they feel comfortable with NATO or Omega uh, with where those two stand. And I think maybe some of that is right now they're building Omega up as a big baby face. So it could just be that that that's what they're going to go for. They want to get Omega as big of a baby face as he can be, and then put that title on it, which would make sense. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's go to Rob results. Uh, we're going to go through this. Um, go over some of the main media stuff more so, but uh, here's one of the big things. Obviously, the show opened with a long Q and A session featuring Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon. They argued back and forth about WrestleMania until it was time for pre-match photos, which saw Triple H chip, cheap shot Kurt Angle in the back of the head with a microphone, and Stephanie put Rousey through a table. Uh, at one point, we saw Triple H and Stephanie pointing at the fucking WrestleMania sign, If you couldn't tell by the sign itself, it's WrestleMania coming up. Uh, God damn it. And um, I thought, all in all, it actually wasn't bad. Um, yeah, uh, I know that people are talking about it, but Ronda, she did uh, – I don't think she messed up necessarily. She just was going not fast enough for the crowd, basically, and they kind of cut her off. But I thought 
that whole entire thing was fine. I thought that um, the buildup uh, has been kind of lackluster, uh, but it features Ronda Rousey, so there you go. There's your reasoning and stuff like that. Um, I like the back and forth between Triple H and Kurt Angle and stuff like that. I, I, I'm down. I'm down for this. Uh, I, I listen to Taz podcasts a lot, and I really like Taz, and I kind of agree with them that Stephanie should have gone full tilt and just beaten the crap out of Ronda and just left her there uh, just to add a little more, you know, she's supposed to be this monster. You, you strike her from behind. But I, I get, obviously, that they're, uh, you know, saving stuff for the main course, if you will. Chris, how did you like this opener, and does it make you more intrigued for their matchup at WrestleMania? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it makes me more intrigued. I think it's how WWE is going to build that angle. Um, I would say when you put Brock Lesnar through a table, the motherfucker comes back and gets up. So I would have liked to have seen maybe a payoff for this in the middle of the show or at least Triple H. And I don't remember if there was a segment where Triple H and Stephanie McMahon just got out of the building. Um, Maybe just to build Ronda Rousey up a bit more where she's actually actively looking for them after this segment since she put it on at the very beginning of the show. I feel like you could have easily ended the show with this and it would have made a little more sense. Um, Outside of that, just obviously people online were bitching about the table being kind of an already broken table if you watch it. But, you know, for me, I don't really care as much about that. It's just with the way they've built Ronda's character is not taking shit off anyone. She would have eventually got up from being put through a table similar to like a Brock Lesnar or Braun Strowman and came looking for Stephanie McMahon. And I think they kind of missed the boat on that a little bit as far as what I remember from Raw. All right, next. Um, and I do agree with you on that. Bailey defeated Sonya Deville. Bailey won with a roll-up. Absolution to tap Bailey after the match, and Sasha Banks made the save. Banks demanded Bailey raise her hand for helping her, but Bailey refused, causing another fight. They went at it, too, which was awesome. Absolution joined back in and beat them both down. Uh, all, all these ladies, obviously, besides Paige, unfortunately, is going to be in the women's um, battle royal. I keep on saying this. This is going to be the main, main storyline going in this. I really feel like these ladies and maybe the other horsemen herself, uh, Becky Lynch, are going to be the last three, and one of them will win. These two might cause themselves the match. Who knows? Maybe Bailey does. Maybe, maybe I, I think one of those three are, are – I'm going to have to pick one in a second when we go over predictions, but for right now, one of those three, it's going to end up being those three. So that, that's my first prediction, I'll just say, for that. Uh, but, I mean, this is, this is leading up to the Women's Battle Royal, which I am – excited about but i we've already this match should be itself and this should have been more build up how'd you at least like this part and does it kind of you know change your about how it's going to play out in the women's battle royal chris i i still think it's going to play out the same way i think that you know probably bailey eliminates sasha in a similar manner and then becky ends up winning the thing which we can talk about in predictions but if you think about elimination chamber I think they may go back to the same thing to build that feud out a little bit more. Um, as far as like, you know, the setup and everything, it's, it's your, it, it made sense for Absolution to do what they did, and, and the storyline for me was fine. I, I had no problems with it. it. It does build the feud. It just sucks that they think it's Battle Royal. But there's no sense of us talking about that any further than we have in the past. Well, let's continue to something that I think was – uh, probably my favorite match of the night, and um, this is I think the uh, the Charlotte Natalia match was my two favorite match between Raw and SmackDown. But 
Um, Seth Rollins defeated Finn Balor. The Miz was on commentary. Apparently, his his daughter just has changed his perspective. And I just love the, the fact that Miz can always reinvent himself and even use the fact that he just had a kid to help that gimmick change. And uh, it was a great match between Rollins and Finn. Uh, they beat the crap out of each other. It really pissed me off. Hulu, seriously, I wanted to watch the match a second time, and they actually cut a section of the match out. And I knew it. And I was like, there, it was not this short. And I remember a lot more. Maybe I'm going crazy, but... I had a lot of fun with this match. Um, Rollins won the match with a curb stomp. That curb stomp was pretty hard. Let me just say that. Um, After the match, Miz taunted Rollins with the IC belt from the announce table. Chris, how would you like this match? I actually really liked it. I like the work that these three have got going into the three-way. I'm invested in it. Um, Obviously, I would like to see Miz walk out just because I'm a huge Miz fan at this point, but... <laughs> I don't think that's mm-hmm. going to happen. It's going to be one of the two guys. We'll talk about it more in the predictions. But as far as like an overall match, I think it was the best match on the show. I think it was the most, probably the most entertaining thing on the show. To be honest with you, um, this raw in comparison to other laws before Mania just wasn't. I don't know. It didn't do a whole lot for me. But I still look at that Mania card and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you. All right, next one was a pretty funny segment, but all obviously pretty friggin' weird, too. Braun Strowman told the bar that he'd reveal his tag team partner if they agreed to a match. They agreed, so Strowman excited and re-entered in a shirt and glasses, calling himself Brain Strowman. Uh, this is not a joke. It, it was real. Braun and the bar brawled until the bar ran away. Um, okay, let's... This is another one where we're going to be giving our predictions, but this is a lead-up, obviously, to this match. I like that they're leaving this as a surprise. Um, I kind of still, Chris, it's crazy, but I'd rather it just be Braun, and he wins somehow. Like, he comes out and he goes, I don't need a partner, and does, pulls that whole shit, faces them, somehow beats them, and then they kind of, like, maybe strip him of it or, or force him to get a partner afterwards. I think it would give Braun a hell of a lot better of a rub, but they're probably going to stick him with someone. Uh, there are rumors. I don't know if they're, they're true or not. There is some rumor that there's going to be some small segment between The Rock and Elias involving them going back and forth on something. So Elias might be doing that. If not, that's a good idea for a partner. There's also big cast. There's a lot of options, obviously, that we could see uh, as, a, as a partner for him. Bobby Lashley, Samoa Joe. How did you feel this led up to it? And do you think that WWE is making Braun Strowman too comedic? Yes and no. Uh, as far as making him too comedic, the the Braun thing I think was just like uh, the dad joke he kind of cringe at. I was kind of hoping he just came out in the lucha mask, which would have been to me would have been funnier <laughs> than I'm a <laughs> Like, just brawn in a giant Lucian mask with a beard would have been fun. Uh, pointing out the fact that his name is Braun because he's a big, strong dude doesn't really <laughs> help him. Or if he came out his brains and then totally cut, like, if he came out his brains and then totally cut, like, a Damien Sandow promo that he had been practicing, that would have been really, really funny as well. Um, it wasn't terrible. I, it's just the thing. I don't want to see him win the title single-handedly. I think it's bad for the tag division. I don't, I don't yeah. know where you go from there. 
Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, you're kind of like, what are you going to do with Sheamus and Cesaro if they both get beat by Braun and he takes the thigh? Like, you're saying, okay, well, they're, they're not shit, basically. So if you're going to do it, I would have Sheamus and Cesaro find a way to win. Um, by hook or by crook, I would have them find a way to win just so you could be like, okay, well, Braun didn't beat them. Um, and then maybe you just have Braun destroy them afterwards or whatever because Braun's Braun. Uh, maybe he tears down the entire WrestleMania set or something. Uh, but uh, it's a weird situation. If you put him with a tag team partner, I'm not necessarily a big fan of that either because then you're just kind of agreeing that they're going to be tag team partners for at least a month or two on whatever they are. And then how do they drop the titles? It would just probably lead to them breaking up and there being a tag. Just the whole storyline I haven't been a huge fan of. I have enjoyed Braun. I, I've enjoyed you know Sheamus and Cesaro in it. I just think they they kind of – gave them dog shit and asked them to make a diamond out of it. And I think they're doing their best with what they were given. Yeah. I, I think that based on the fact that for some reason they left Braun until if that, the whole rumors are true that Braun was on the sideline for a while before they figured out what the hell was going on with Roman and the whole steroids allegation. Also Brock Lesnar with UFC. If there's any truth to that, then they stuck him in this real quick. I get the intentions, but it was just a bad payoff. And this is one of those matches that, because it hasn't really had that much build, I don't have that much investment. And you're right. It's either you make you make Braun look good or the whole entire fucking tag division. So, I mean, that's a that's a strong concept because Braun's so over, a loss is not going to kill him that much. You don't want to make your whole entire tag division. And two main guys that you just put together into tag team for the last two years look bad. So, yeah, I, I kind of – I tend to agree with you. All right, let's go to the next one. Matt Hardy defeated Goldust. Um Hardy won with the Trist of Faith. After the match, Hardy spoke to the Honor the Giant Memorial Battle Royal Trophy. I love that part. I thought it was so, so ridiculous, but it was so great how he was like literally trying to have a conversation with him. Um, and he referred to him, I forgot, Andre of Gigantic or something like that. It was, uh, I, I really realized that, Chris, if they actually would have given Goldust one last push, like they kind of hinted at for a little while, Matt Hardy and him would have a great, I, I think they would have a great, um, you know, run between the two of them. I think they could really feed off a lot with Goldust being so theatrical and maybe trying some new cinematic stuff at the compound if they were to do something like that. I kind of, it, it just sucks that, you know, Dustin's kind of there, but he's just there randomly. But thought the match was whatever. I thought the best part of the match was him talking to Andre the Giant statue. How did you feel? Do you think Matt's going to win? I, man, it's hard to say if Matt's going to win or not. I, I, you might get the resurgence of Bray Wyatt and they take each other out. I think you have a lot of people that are cleared. It depends on whether you throw them in this battle Royal or not. I'm completely fine with Matt Hardy winning the thing. If, if that's the route they want to go, I don't know that that's what they're going to do necessarily. I mean, cause right now we don't know if Samoa Joe is going to be a main here or not. And if Samoa Joe is going to be a mania, you could have him win this thing easily. Um, I, I think I would tend to lend that, lean the way of someone that hasn't been announced winning it. But you could also go the route of, uh, you know, Matt or Bray Wyatt winning it. Because I, I actually think, you know, you're going to see some form of Bray Wyatt, whether it's just him costing Matt the match or whatever here at WrestleMania. So. Uh, I feel bad for the rest of the people in this battle royal because I think it's going to pivot around whatever storyline they do with Matt Hardy 
Uh, it was hilarious hearing him talk to the statue and the follow-up on Twitter that Matt's been doing for the past, like, four or five days has been really, really hilarious to the point where I was like, uh, I wish there was, like, a five-minute WWE Network show or clip show of just Matt Hardy doing weird shit on Twitter, kind of like a TMZ <laughs> thing, where they just look at Matt Hardy's family on Twitter. Because I think that would be really entertaining. Maybe, a, like, not everyone would like that, obviously, but I think it's fucking hilarious. Even if it was just, like, a section of the WWE website, I think there's more that they could do with their character uh, characters. Because, um, obviously, Rebby Hardy's pretty great, too, on Twitter. And uh, anytime Senior Benjamin posts, it's, it's pretty great. So, I, I think there's more they could do there. I just, I mean, with this Battle Royal, I don't know. Maybe you get Big Cash push out of it if he's coming back. Maybe you give Samoa Joe a push out of it if he's coming back. It just depends on what they want to do, what celebrities they want to involve in it. You could run into a situation where you have another Gronkowski uh, jump in. I mean, this is kind of the thing where they do weird shit. Uh, so <laughs> I, I never have an absolute answer for the Battle Royal or who's going to win. I mean, my the pick I would, the two picks I would want to see probably aren't going to win, which would be like, you know, either Kane or Big Show. Uh, I, I think either of them kind of deserve the nod or like maybe even just throw Mark Henry in there and have him win it just for a feel good moment. I think I would care more about one of the three, one of those three winning it or uh, even the fans at WrestleMania, the diehard fans that are going to pay, you know, the amount of money to fly across the world and stay in New Orleans for a week to see this thing uh, would be really pumped to see one of those three win it. Maybe I'm absolutely crazy on that, but uh, no, I don't think yeah, you I mean, are. Kinda... I, 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 I don't, I don't think you're crazy if you're thinking that. I mean, it, it would be nice to give back to a legend instead of making them lose every single time, like usual, like big show. Well, actually I think he won it once. Um, I, I feel like though, if we're talking about the main guys that I feel like are going to be in it. At least three of them are confirmed. I do think Bray Wyatt's going to be in there. And no, I don't think he's going to come out as Husky Harris, but some type of new reinvention of him. But it would be, to me, Bray, Matt, uh, Baron Corbin, or Dolph, I think are the guys that would be reasonably the who I could think would win that. Maybe Matt Hardy and Bray Bull take themselves out. Kind of want to give Dolph it, but we'll talk more about that when we get there. Let's keep on going. This is one of the biggest things that happened. And just really actually pissed me off. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is supposed to aggravate me to make me so damn excited once it happens at WrestleMania. But, look, I didn't have interest in this between The Undertaker and John Cena because of Undertaker's age and everything. And we know his hip issues and surgery. And we've already talked about the Seth length. But, you know, uh, you guys got me intrigued a couple weeks ago. And then it just turned into bull crap. Where you, I can't even – I don't even think that John Cena – it's. He's performing. He's not – there's no legitimacy towards it. It doesn't seem like any type of genuine nature to what he – he doesn't even believe what he's saying. So I don't know. Cool Kid Rock might play the music, and he comes out as American Badass or not, and they take even another layer of the story of his ending away from us. Um, I just thought it was a miserable way, Chris, to lead up to it. And if the, the swerve is there is no – Undertaker, then that I, I feel like that was really stupid. There was something said by, I believe it might have been Taz, that said a good way to go about it, this is one way that I won't care as much, maybe it was Chris Jericho, is if, um, I, just, I feel like John Cena's adapted too animated 
So exact same thing. Like I can't take it seriously, like like Edge was saying. Uh, but they were just saying if if all right. So Undertaker shows up. They have a confrontation. This leads up to a year build up until next WrestleMania, which would actually be Undertaker's last match or something like that, where they plant it. Um, and it's a short segment between the two of them. And at the end of it, Undertaker beats the crap out of John Cena. It leads up to stuff. But with uh, with John's schedule and Undertaker's age, I don't know if that's really a realistic factor. So, do you think that this kind of burnt out your 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 care for this match more so than it might have not already been? I mean, yes and no. I, last week, I thought they had the perfect opportunity. If you're going to have Undertaker show up before Mania, it would have been him beating the shit out of Kane, relentlessly. And you would have had, yes, you would have had to make John Cena look very heelish and be a very bad person but it would have made Undertaker showing up mean something. So him just coming out and talking again kind of meant nothing. Uh, also, the fact that John Cena beat Kane last week kind of meant nothing. Um, I'm just in the same spot. It's like, do they put on a good match? Because I think the match is going to happen, and just which version of Undertaker we see. And the answer to those is uh, it's possible, but I, I don't know how good of a match John Cena is going to get out of the Undertaker at this point. I don't know that, you know, Undertaker coming back as the, if he's coming back as the American badass, what is the point if he doesn't, like, win? Like, where are you building to? Like, to me, it's still the same thing we talked about last week, where this does no favors for either wrestler. Especially if Undertaker doesn't know he's going to wrestle year to year. Um, Yeah. So, you either have John Cena beat Undertaker. Undertaker's already lost the streak, so it doesn't mean anything other than John Cena beat him. Because, like, I think people would have rather seen John Cena beat him last year and that be Undertaker's retirement than Roman Reigns beat him. Um, I don't know. This this whole match is... The only thing I care about seeing in this match is if we do have a healthy Undertaker and John Cena is ready to go, it could be a really great match. And I do care about that. And I think that could be fun. All characters aside, all gimmicks aside, I think you could see a fun match. But I don't know where Undertaker is health-wise. I don't think anyone really does. He hasn't worked. He's going to be a little rusty. I'm sure he's going to give it his fucking all. But as far as the build-up goes, having Undertaker kind of punk out for three weeks leading up to it and not turning John Cena heel and not having John Cena, like, do weird shit like Shawn Michaels did where he shows up in coffins or goes to graveyards and does weird to try to call out Taker. Uh, the entertainment value is not really there. You just get John Cena cutting the same promos he cut on The Rock without any rebuttal, even though The Rock's rebuttal was via satellite, which was part of John Cena's promos. It's just a similar storyline. And... It didn't do anything for the match. And they didn't need to do anything for the match because the match is just John Cena versus The Undertaker. Mostly all I did was short and raw by 30 minutes with John Cena doing this super character. It went from like a legitimate really good promo the first week to slowly going downhill after there because he's talking to no one, which isn't the easiest thing to do in the world. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to find out in WrestleMania, but that, that whole thing's a shitstorm to me. Um, I have to say that, like, for the majority 
I feel like after this whole this week that SmackDown's matches for for the most part have mo- a better build up uh, storyline wise than a majority of the ones on Raw. Um, all right, so Elias defeated Heath Slater. Elias won with the drift away. Did anyone see that not coming? I'm gonna keep on going. Elias will kind of get to the rumor is that he might have a segment with The Rock. The other rumor is he might be going as Braun Strowman's partner. Um, I love Elias. I kind of hope for either, either, either option. I want to definitely give him a rub in some way, but um, the fact that they haven't announced he's going to be in a battle royal, I think is a good thing. If you're wondering if that might happen. So keep on going. Asuka and Dana Brooke defeated Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. Asuka tapped out James with an Asuka lock after the match. Bliss and James double teamed Asuka until Nia Jax made the save. Why the hell is Asuka on Raw still? Uh, I, does anyone understand that concept at all? Uh, I mean, I guess she's technically raw, but she challenged a SmackDown person, and then she's on both shows. I'm just saying we should probably let possibly the next champion just chill for a little while leading up to it. But decent match. Um, I liked it. I think it was just an excuse, obviously, to get Nia Jax to come out for one last confrontation. Uh, good way, I guess, to build up. Uh, I still think that the tactics were, were kind of weak on the heels part. Uh, probably not Alexa's fault because I'm sure this, a lot of this stuff is scripted for her. Um, and I thought it was good. Yeah, Oscar, every time Oscar's in a match, I'm always going to think they're going to win. So it, there's not a lot of mystery and intrigue there. Uh, how did you feel about that match, Chris? Dude, I was stoked about Dana Brooke's first victory in a very long time. She's a super sweet person, and I love Dana Brooke. But <laughs> outside of that, this was just your typical, hey, this is the tag match building to the actual matches. So here's the thing, and then there's Nijax. So... Outside of that, it, it, the same thing with the Elias match. It was like, hey, Elias beat the jobber. We don't really have anything for him to do. I don't know. He's probably going to have a guitar sing off with the Rock. That seems uh, – Rock via satellite seems very plausible. So the thing about Asuka, I agree with you completely. Why is she still on Raw? Like, why is she fighting? And I guess you could – if you were on commentary, you could play this off as Asuka accepts any matches. If you give Asuka a match, she accepts it because no one can beat her. And I think that's how you should have played that off and how commentary should have played that off. But they, they haven't over the past, you know, two, I don't know if it was two weeks or three weeks when she, you know, challenged Charlotte. But that, that would have been where I went with it if I was on the announced team to try to get that over, that that's the kind of competitor Asuka is. She'll fight anyone, uh, which is what they're going for. They just need to actually come out and say it. Yeah, but maybe maybe you, Michael Cole, God, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Paul Heyman gave another promo about how amazing Brock Lesnar is and how he will win WrestleMania. Roman Reigns showed up, and Reigns Lester's had an in-ring stare down before Lesnar retreated. Lesnar returned to the ring with a chair, but got knocked out by five Superman punches. Reigns posted uh, posed with the Universal Championship, so Lesnar recovered and gave him an F5. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Uh, we're gonna have this match. It's gonna be a fun match. I mean, I saw their other one where Seth Rollins won uh, with the uh, the Money in the Bank thing, and they're good. They're gonna beat the crap out of each other. I think that Brock's gonna let Roman do a hell of a lot more than a lot of people, kind of like Samoa Joe, in a lot of ways. Um, and Roman's probably gonna win the title, like has been predicted forever. Do I think the build-up's been good for this? No. I think they were on the right track, and they started just going off the right track 
this should have been the first, I think, the first confrontation between the two of them where Brock showed up. Um, I think it would have built a little bit more, but what do I know? I'm not a writer for WWE. And, uh, yeah, Chris, uh, are you going to be a writer anytime soon? Uh, I hope so. Because this, I mean, leading up to this, you just had the John Cena thing that he's doing with Undertaker with, you know, <laughs> you just had Roman Reigns doing the same thing John Cena's doing until Lesnar finally showed up. Uh, I, I think I agree with you. I think this should have been the very, this would have been a good place to put the very first fight. And then he could have cut like a really cool uh, video of, four or five weeks of them kicking the shit out of each other and, you know, put in a Limp Biscuit song and then inducted, you know, Fred Burst into the Hall of Fame. Just like Just you know, one more thing <laughs> about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah! Exactly. <laughs> they, should have, they should have let it all hang out. They should have standed up and shouted, you know, Hey, that video package, though, is a shiznit, man. The best video package WWE's <laughs> probably ever done. And it's got a Limp Bizkit song to it, and I still love it. It's still We're pretty, pretty good. We're going to do things my way. It's my way. My way, you're the highway. Ugh. Yeah. Why would you not do that every WrestleMania? Like, not with that song necessarily, but why? Like, <laughs> with all the video packages they do, like, do that. <laughs> Do more of that, less of this. I don't know if he's going to show up or not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not just Ugh. complaining about it this time because they did it with Cena and The Rock twice. So it's, yeah, all the writing is always bad. But uh, hey, Paul Heyman cuts a good promo, so there's that. Yes, he does. And if you were to cut him open, he probably tastes like ham. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I sound like a cannibal just now, but I'm just saying. All right, let's go to SmackDown. Show open with Daniel Bryan and the returning Shane McMahon. Two men apologized for acting like douchebags towards each other for the last couple months and hugged it out. It was very cute, Chris. A uh, little old callback for Daniel Bryan. Um, I think that the I think most of the stuff we're about to talk about added a lot more detail that Raw wasn't able to achieve for the most part with all these feuds because them kind of doing this and this, this there's two ways they can go with this and it still adds a lot of impact. One, they're now on the same page, all shit. They realize that they were wrong about certain aspects and now we're going to go kick their asses and win. And then Sammy and Kevin will show up on raw probably on Monday or Shane stabs Daniel Bryan in the back because I don't think they're going to turn Daniel Bryan heel. There's not really good reasoning for either one of them to go heel, but there was a, a part of me that thought with this whole entire ending that that could be a possibility. But I thought it was a good opening, and I thought that now we're going to get to Sammy and Kevin in a second, but when it comes to the two of them and their motivation, it cleared things up a little bit. And even though they like, rushed the fuck out of it, it kind of just gave it a little bit more gravitas, if you will. I still hate everything about this. I really do. <laughs> like, okay, I know, I know. They did a good job. It's not their fault. Daniel Bryan got cleared late. It's a weird thing that they've been building to for a while. I feel bad about hating it as much as I do, but I still fucking hate it. Because 
I still don't understand how Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are the heels in this situation and how Shane McMahon is forgiven for the last name of McMahon by screwing both these guys out of titles multiple times. Like, it's just, it's fine if you don't watch week to week and you watch just the shows before the pay-per-view. This probably makes complete sense. But if you watch this (laughs) week to week, you should hate it as much as I do. Now, what I will say is, I agree. I don't think they're going to turn Daniel Bryan heel, but I also don't know that you would. I don't know that you change, turn Shane McMahon heel. You could have a situation where, I mean, easy, the easy one is change, turns Shane McMahon heel, but then you have the same thing that you have on Raw, where no one cares about a McMahon being heel. Uh, I think it would be more interesting if Daniel Bryan sided with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and then Shane McMahon built an entire heel faction to go after the three. I think that would be more entertaining, but they're not going to do that. It's probably just going to be Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon winning the match. There's the pop. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens show up on Raw, or they take a break till the draft. Or you see Sami Zayn show up as El Generico, and Kevin Owens takes a break for a little bit. I think it would be awesome if they went down... To, it, I Sorry. think it would be really cool if they they did something super weird, and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens lose, and they get hired back by NXT, and they go for the tag titles, and you just pop NXT. But they won't do that. Yeah, that'd I, be crazy. I, <laughs> yeah, that would actually be awesome. But for some reason, that's the parallel universe defensive man with the whole NXT thing. Could have a lot of options with that, but. You know, I, I find it kind of funny that you said that. Um, Charlotte Flair defeated Natalia. <laughs> this was a non-title match. Natalia tapped out to figure eight. After the match, Oscar arrived to taunt Flair. Man, poor Charlotte. So much is going on for her. I mean, throughout, she's got Natalia that's, that's calling her out again, which is, you know, just uh, someone that she's had such a pass with. Uh, they have a, a really great match. There's one part where Carmella tries to cash in again, so she's got that and the back burner as well. And then after the match, after she finally wins with the figure eight and gets that win uh, back from Natalia, Oscar arrives and taunts her. Like this to me, like I'm like, I keep on saying, this is good storytelling. Now we have Charlotte, our champion who is completely frazzled by so many different aspects. And Oscar is starting to get to her, but they had a good confrontation. I thought Oscar, I thought, by the way, Shinsuke, I think, sounded good. I think his English is getting better, better every week, uh, especially the, the – obviously, they had takes, but the promo that he did um, was awesome. Oscar, uh, I think, not, not as good, but I think she's getting good. I think that she, she – her inflection on certain words needs to be in other places, but her delivery on pronouncing was good. And I'm not trying to I, – I think that it was convincing when she said she's not ready for Oscar. She gets cut off. Charlotte takes it, and she basically said that she's ready, and she's underestimating Charlotte. And, of course, they look at the fucking sign. Um, God, she bothers the hell out of me. Chris, um, how did you like this whole entire thing? Do you think that Charlotte's – that Oscar's getting to Charlotte, basically? All right, well, I have to get this out of my head before I, uh, before I die of laughter. What if Braun looked at the sign and the son of a bitch just fell? Oh my god! <laughs> like, <laughs> That'd be amazing. Stupid fucking son. It's <laughs> like yells Go at him. Go get these hands. And blows up. 
they missed out on a good gimmick there. No, uh, I agree with you. I think the Charlotte Flair Oscar thing is one of the best storylines, which is funny because we didn't know what Oscar was doing. Um, as far as Oscar's promo, she doesn't need to talk. She's undefeated. She doesn't have to say anything at all. And I think the fact that she's willing to go out there and do that um, shows some bravery. She's not coming into the same situation that Nakamura came into where he had lost the title to Bobby Roode and, and kind of lost again to Bobby Roode coming out at NXT. Asuka has this incredible undefeated streak. So that that alone, you have like kind of the Goldberg thing, um, but you have that on top of the natural charisma that she has in the ring, similar to Nakamura, which I, I honestly don't think Nakamura has to talk either. I think most of his charisma is by what he's able to accomplish in the ring as far as, uh, you know, American wrestling goes and WWE wrestling. But Charlotte does have a lot to look out for, and so does Asuka. And I think if they would have built this a little earlier, you could have played that up where Carmella shows up on Raw and attacks Asuka. You know, to kind of let her know, like, hey, I'm in the wings, and I can screw over your not only your undefeated streak, but Charlotte's title. She's like, I, I, could, I could screw you both. I could Seth Rollins, you guys, which I think it's plausible. Uh, that being said, uh, Lance Storm sent out a really hilarious tweet where WWE was like, Carmella is the longest holder of the Money in the Bank briefcase of all time. Like, congratulations, you did nothing with it longer than anyone else. <laughs> which is kind of, which was kind of funny. So, props to Lance Storm on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow, follow Lance Storm. Oh. But yeah, I agree with you for the most oh. part. I, I think this will. I think it's. I think it's one of the highlights of WrestleMania. Thing Oscar versus Charlotte Flair. And to me, it's it like, the, don't I mean, fuck it up. Not, and not Roman Reigns don't, and friggin' Brock Lesnar, but, you know, whatever. But don't fuck it up by Carmella showing up. Like, don't. Just just let him have the match. And, and go one way or the other. Like, at least wait until the match is over if you're going to ca- have the cash-in. Wait till the match is over. Because I, I think fans are fine with the cash-in. Um, but, like, really, do you really want to see Asuka Street get ended by a Money in the Bank cash-in? Because I feel like that's where no. we're going to go with it. And well, that's let's hope not. A little sick. Yeah. Of course, it, it could just be Oscar putting her. It could be Oscar putting you know Carmella in an armbar and Charlotte putting her in the figure four at the same time and just murdering Carmella, which would also be like if you're going to do it, if you're just trying to get the briefcase away from her, that that would be the way to do it. Because um, she's not or on they, that same level. They, they, or the only way I could think about it possibly is if maybe Carmella comes out, smacks Oscar in the back of the head with the briefcase, knocks her out, DQ for that match, goes in, starts the other match, takes out Charlotte, and wins the match. That way the streak's not screwed up, and now Carmella has beaten Charlotte. But I don't think they're gonna they're gonna do that. But that's that's a scenario that just played in my head. That seems like could be a legitimate possibility of saving the streak, getting the title off, and then causing a lot more between. I guess the three of them for however many months. Um, but and I mean, I'm not, I'm on. not against, Oscar. I'm not against Oscar just straight losing this match. If she loses the match to Charlotte and it's clean, I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I, I mean, it's WrestleMania. You have to lose this. You just don't want to see point. it gimmicked. I exactly like if they're going to straight go, we're going to go with a WWE person over the new, like you know, the Japanese female wrestler that we brought over here. We want to go with a homegrown. I, I mean, 
I'm not necessarily okay with the sentiment of it, but it's not like Charlotte has been bad for WWE. Now, if Carmella no. beats them and wins the title and you end the streak and you take the title off Charlotte Flair, I think that's fucking super dumb. Yep. No, it's bad writing for sure, man. I completely agree with you, and let's hope that doesn't happen, but we'll get over that with, the, with more predictions when we get to the actual match. All right, the next one. Rusev defeated Jinder Mahal. Uh, actually, good match. Man, is Rusev over. Even the stare down at the end of it between Bobby Roode and Randy Orton, they were screaming Rusev Day. I love the beginning part where whatever Singh brother came out and tried to impersonate Aiden English, and then it was, you know, Aiden English gave his response to it. I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, Bobby Roode sat in on commentary for this match. Rusev pinned Mahal following a Machka kick. After the match, Randy Orton hit Rusev with the RKO, and then he and Roode had a stare down over the U.S. Uh, champion. Uh, I thought this was good. Um, you know, Rusev is adding that more intrigue. Uh, apparently, the reason why they added him is because his sales have been off the charts uh, for his merchandise. Weird. I mean, if you can't tell, I feel a lot of times like he is the SmackDown, how people feel Braun is to Raw. Um, I think that Rusev could be the actual champion. People would be loving that, but whatever. Um, Rusev, uh, him winning and then getting the RKO out of nowhere, I think that was a good thing because it keeps us still in the mix of, like, who could possibly win. Obviously, I really feel like this is going to be Bobby. Um, I have some more ideas. I'll save it for, like I keep on saying, we're about to go over to predictions anyways, but it's like I, there's so many details of this match I want to go over. How did you like this? And did you like that Rusev Day got a win over Jinder Mahal, the modern-day Maharaja? I think it was actually good that he picks up a win here because it was a thing that makes the fans happy. And it just built for the match because they did a commentary spot with Bobby Roode and then you had the RKO out of nowhere. I think this is a good fan-pleasing match uh, where most of your fans don't like Jinder Mahal. Uh, not because he's healed, just because they just don't fucking like him. Um, and... You had Rusev get a win, and you set up your match, and I, I thought it was fine. And we'll talk about, you know, predictions and stuff after the fact. But, uh, you know, I, I think Rusev's been good for a really long time. And they just – I wish they would have done the spot that they were going to do originally uh, with him coming after Shane. Uh, kind of where Kev, what they did with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn was originally slotted for Rusev. And I, I think that would have been very entertaining. But the fact that him and Aiden English got together and were able to create this weird thing that everyone loves is pretty awesome, and I really appreciate it. And I thought the match was really good for, for what they were trying to get across as far as, like, hey, this is going to be a U.S. championship. I, I think it worked very well. Yep. I really would like to say that I hope if both guys are equally as popular, more so I'm worried about Rusev than Braun, that next Survivor Series, if they're on opposite brands, that we get the two of them to go at it. One-on-one, I think it would be a lot of fun. The fans will go absolutely apeshit over that. Um, that is if you're against popularity. I think you can. Uh, well, actually, just, just referring to that, apparently there's a new rumor that came out today that Rusev basically said not too long ago that at the rise of the Rusev Day thing that they weren't allowing him to, you know, really do much with it, that he was gonna, thinking about trying to get out of WWE. So I'm actually happy he stayed. Um, I think that he's someone that WWE needs to quit sleeping on. But there's a lot of guys like that. We've talked about at length. Let's keep on going. With this whole entire thing, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Mo- Mojo Raleigh, and Primo Cologne. 
defeated Fandango, Tyler Breeze, Ty Dillinger, and Zack Ryder. God, poor Zack Ryder. Corbin hit the end of days on Fandango and got the pin to give his team the victory. Um, yeah. All right. Hundred, <coughs> the giant battle royal. Woo! Like I said, and I like how like after Baron Corbin's like looking at the statues, like two, yeah, there's gonna be two, two times I win. Um, uh, yeah. Let's let's just go over that. If you want to kind of say anything about that, say it after. Also, this, uh, Kevin, or you're not Kevin. Uh, I'm reading while I'm trying to talk to you, Chris. Anyway, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens entered the arena and stood on the announce desk. They ran down Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, even saying stuff about Birdie. What? Um, and promised to win at WrestleMania. Their mics were cut off and security tried to apprehend them, but they ran up the steps out of the arena. McMahon and Bryan came out, and Bryan said he wanted everyone to put their cameras on Zayn and Owens because this is the last time they'll be on SmackDown. But Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn was great in this. I thought that everything has been pretty good as of the, the night, if you will, leading up to this. They fucked up by one thing, though, which makes me, I mean, this could blend into the whole, uh, you know, uh, turn thing uh, with, with either with either Daniel Bryan or, or uh, Shane, because why didn't they go out there and beat their ass? Why couldn't they have had some type of confrontation right beforehand? That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. It's like, that's the last time you'll see him on SmackDown. Like, I, I just, I didn't get it. I, I thought that was kind of a wasted opportunity. Uh, how, how did you feel about these two things? Cabez? I mean, uh, first and foremost, the fact that they're able to jump all of security and stand up on an announce table and get live microphones is always just complete and utter bullshit to me. Just have them buy a ticket and sit at ringside the entire night and fighting fights with wrestlers until the point where they're about to get kicked out and then you have the fight between Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and Jamie I think that build makes more sense. They, I mean, they just did the same thing with Roman Reigns on Raw, and that's my biggest problem with it. Uh, as far as Baron yep. Corbin, uh, that end of days looked really, really good. Whatever he hit it on Fandango, that was the end of that. It's the build to the, you know, the the Battle Royal match. Um, so, you know, it was what it was. But I, once again, I, I fucking, I'm just not a fan of this Daniel Bryan, uh, Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn. It's not. How not dare you, Chris? This, this is the return of Daniel Bryan, the American Dragon, you son of a bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I I'm, looking, I mean I, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing him versus Kevin and him versus Sammy in a match. And, uh, you know, Shane McMahon will jump off something, and that'll be okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what will Shane jump off of that would break Jim Cornette's ankles in a situation? Uh, Yes. All right, let's go on to the last part. Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles defeated Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. Styles got the pin on Gable with the phenomenal forearm. Uh, after the match, Shelton Benjamin jumped Nakamura from behind as Styles watched. Nakamura fought off Benjamin, and then Styles faked out Nakamura by teasing, giving him the phenomenal forearm. Styles patted Nakamura on the head, as he had done the week before, and left holding the belt high. Um, another situation where some of the stuff in the past, you know, whatever. The fact that AJ Styles uh, that are on SmackDown reference Tokyo Dome, cool. Um, I thought this was a good situation, though, as far as what Nakamura pulled last week 
And now what AJ pulled this time. And I like how Nakamura tried to pat him on the head again. And then later on, how AJ just looked at him, and he decided to do the phenomenal forearm uh, right next to him. And um, I thought that was great. And I thought that was a good follow-up that he did the same thing with, you know, faking him out and patting his head. I love how pissed off Shinsuke looked. Thought Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin looked awesome in this match. Can we see more with this fucking tag team? Like, seriously? If not, split those guys up and put them on, you know, singles run. I mean, they're both great friggin' wrestlers. And rant. Chris, how did you feel about this? I actually felt pretty much the exact same way. I, I thought that it was a good callback to last week. Um, I think Chad Gable, I mean, obviously all these guys are really great wrestlers. Um, probably say, I, mean, I don't know if it's match of the night or not, because I thought Charlotte and Natalia were really good, but it, it was good to see all those guys together. I think they got their point across, and I agree with you. Do something with Chad and uh, Shelton, and actually give them TV time when they cut their promos. Don't just put it on WWE's website so they have to go search out their kind of brilliance mm-hmm. of being really funny because I, I think those guys are really good together. I, I think the biggest problem they have right now is you need to move one of those three tag teams they have um, to Raw, whether it be Bludgeon Brothers, uh, New Day, or the Usos, and I think that will happen after WrestleMania. Um, they'll do some sort of shake-up or draft, and you're going to get one of those teams to move. And I... I and maybe it is Shelton and uh, Chad Gable, but I, I think you need to s- separate those guys out a little bit to uh, sure up the tag division a little bit on Raw and also help out SmackDown so you don't have, like, two great wrestlers like Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin kind of just stuck in a little bit of a hole uh, because obviously they wanted to go a specific way to, you know, WrestleMania to build the Bludgeon Brothers, so they're kind of just out out there right now cool to see them wrestle good matches and I hope they don't get lumped in like with the Dolph Ziggler thing where it's like well these guys can work anyone so let's just fucking throw them in matches uh singles matches like the tag team but it's a singles match like I, I don't want to see that for them because I think it could be really great if you're going to do that just split them up and put them on separate brands and uh mid card for a while and, and see if Chad gets over I'm sure he'll get uh way more over than you know Kurt Angle's son <laughs> He would. He should have been Kurt Angle's son. God. Oh God. I don't even want to go back into that. Anyways. All right. Guys, it's here. Let's go over WrestleMania. This is me and Chris's final predictions for WrestleMania, and who we think is going to win. I'm going to go in no order. We know that uh, the cruiserweight and the two battle royals will be on the two-hour free show. Yes, two hours. The thing I think starts at friggin' five o'clock. Um, and uh, the last match. Apparently, is Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. It's 100% said, but I think that either Roman mentioned that or I. it's not 100% confirmed, but it's almost 100% confirmed, that sort of thing. So just kind of randomly out of order, uh, Undertaker versus John Cena. First of all, is this match even going to happen? And then what do I think will happen? Um, I think the match will happen because if you have – if, if you played and toyed with this concept and now there's going to be no payoff whatsoever, what the fuck did you do at the beginning with? That was stupid. If they don't even have any type of confrontation at Mania, any type of segment, which I will still think is stupid, I will completely wonder why the hell they presented this. This has to happen in some type of capacity. Um, if it's a segment, cool. If it leads to something up, if not, kind of a waste of time. Uh, if they actually have a match, I feel like Undertaker would win. I, I think you give him uh, a last win, 
the possibility that he might come back to get a third strike against him. But John Cena is someone that can take a loss in this situation and bring Undertaker to a great match. Undertaker has had his hip replaced. He's been working out nonstop. Michelle McCool on Twitter asked everyone to quit asking her if Undertaker is going to be at WrestleMania. Um, so there's that. Um, I would do American Badass. I would. This should be later on the night. I would have Kid Rock play it off, do the countdown thing when he first showed up, and I have Kid Rock start playing American Badass right from the part. Have him come out on the bike. You know, Dead Man's done, but he's coming for whatever the hell his segment used to be. He's going to make him famous. Yeah, yeah, he's going to make him famous. And that's what I would do. I hope that happens. If Chris, how mad will you be if there's really no payoff really to this at all? I mean, it depends on if the match is good or not. If the match is good, then I don't care. Um, outside of that, it yeah, I would be kind of pissed. I think it would be great if, you know, Fred Durst shows up and beats Kid Rock's ass and then they play Keep Rolling and Undertaker comes out to that. That would just be kind of funny, dumb wrestling stuff uh, as far as entrances go. It doesn't matter what version of the Undertaker shows up. Like, we know they're one and the same. I think it would be funny to see, like, American Badass. It also would have been really funny to see that, you know, three weeks ago or a month ago. Yep. And it, it doesn't help either of their careers. Uh, the best thing they can do is hope to put on a really good match between two people who are really great wrestlers. And Undertaker hopefully can prove everybody wrong. I think he felt a little bit of uh, shit on after the Roman Reigns match, which, he, I mean, he was hurt. And I think, you know, if he's feeling healthy, you, you could get a great match out of the two. John Cena's not a shab, and, and obviously neither is the Undertaker. And I think that's the real thing here. It, it, the fans win. Um, my question is, this isn't going to be a no-DQ match or anything because they haven't built any stipulations up to it. So, like, are we going to have, like, 85 ref bumps? How are we going to get the spot oh that the Undertaker God. and him are going to want to do? into the WrestleMania caliber that some of these other matches have been a Triple H or Shawn Michaels. And uh, that's where my worry comes in. Or do you just have Undertaker win by DQ and you fucking have, you know, maybe he turns on Cena heel here. He's going to go away for a while and film movies or whatever. Maybe this is the spot. Maybe this is the one where you're like, nope, he's the bad guy. And um, I highly doubt it, but that might be the way I went. Uh, John Cena in the movie is very different than John Cena as the wrestler. Separate the two. Make it a uh, different character uh, if you can. I don't know that you can. So, like I said, it, I, I don't know what you do. I just know that it, the fans are looking for these two, this spectacle of a match. Hopefully they just put on a good match. Maybe you get like a, a Kid Rock thing. Uh, like I said, it'd be funnier if it was like, hey, we didn't get Kid Rock, but Limp Biscuits playing, and they're going to do Keep Rolling, his original theme music, which would be really funny, the second Limp Biscuit reference, or third Limp Biscuit reference tonight. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I have no preference. I just hope it's a good match. And I hope they don't, like, just not have The Undertaker show up and try to continue. Well, that. yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, and if you're going to do that, then you need to have Aleister Black fight John Cena and give the fans something. Give them something. Give them something weird that they didn't expect, like some kind of payoff. Um, if you're going to go right, the route right, now, of just not showing up. Now you're exciting me, and you shouldn't do that. But if Undertaker came out, cut a badass promo as, as 
the Lord of Darkness or whatever, just the Undertaker comes out and says, I can't face you, but my protege can. And then the newly NXT champion from the night before comes out to face John Cena. I would, I would pop. I would definitely pop for that. That would be fucking awesome. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's what I was talking about with no payoff is the fact that it is. It, oh, nope, Undertaker's not here. That was all just a ruse. Like, I will, I will throw something at my television and be so angry. But really quick, Chris, before we move on, so who do you think, Undertaker or John Cena? You've got to pick one. If the match yeah, happens. you got you got to go to Taker because if Taker's going to come back for one, he's got to come back for one more. Um, yep. You're not going to have him do the retirement gimmick two two years in a row at WrestleMania. I just don't see it happening. I think you might have more of a chance of seeing John Cena pull the wristband off again, especially with the losing angle that he's been on, where he couldn't get to WrestleMania, and this man had to come out of retirement to face him and beat him. I think that gives you a more compelling story angle for John Cena, if John Cena wants to make an actual run coming back. Where you make John Cena more of a sympathetic character, which is really hard to do. Um, and I thought they did well in the AJ match. If you remember, he left the wristband in the center of the ring. If they're saving that for Undertaker, if that's what they've been building to, then it works. And then you have John Cena fight his way back to WrestleMania or to SummerSlam or wherever you want to do the match, and you make that Undertaker's last match. Undertaker's last match doesn't have to be at WrestleMania. It just doesn't have to be. The streak's done. If you're going to end it on the streak, it, it doesn't matter anymore. The streak's over. Yep. So just if you're going to do it, more dramatic. Make him be the guy that put John Cena down. Made John Cena question his career and leave for a year and then bring John Cena back. Uh, whether I mean, definitely don't bring him back right at WrestleMania, but you can do something very similar with John Cena and build that back up in a way that can be interesting. And I think that's the way you go. So I'm, I'm picking Undertaker with an outside chance of maybe Undertaker doesn't show up and you just get some badass from NXT showing up, whatever that might be. God, I love that idea. Too bad Luke Harper's in the friggin' Bludgeon Brothers. Anyways, all right, WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal. Superstars from Raw, SmackDown, NXT will compete in this event. Uh, we, we've got Sasha Banks, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Naomi, Natalia, the Riot Squad, basically all the women that are not part of this. We're going to see some NXT women, I, I assume, within this, maybe some Keddy Zane. You know, there's lots of options. My prediction will and always will be it's going to end up with the three of the four horse women between Becky, um, Bailey, and Sasha. And Sasha and Bailey will be one of their own demise or both their demise. I'm going to say Bailey's going to win it. Screw it. I'm going to say Bailey, you know, maybe, maybe I'm a hugger tonight. Maybe, maybe Daniel Bryan expired me yesterday, Chris, who's going to win this. I have Becky Lynch pinned to win it. And I have um, the final four being probably Carrie Zane, Becky Lynch, uh, Bailey and Sasha. And you probably, probably Sasha eliminating Carrie and, and then Sasha getting followed up elimination by Bailey and then Becky Lynch winning. Winning the, winning the damn thing. So that you book basically what you did with the Elimination Chamber with some excitement by Carrie Zane being there. You continue the feud, and then you actually have the payoff match. Uh, with the singles match just between Bailey and, and Sasha. I like it. All right, let's do the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Uh, the I mean, we, we have so many wrestlers announcing this. I'm going to say that to me... This is between Dolph Ziggler and Matt Hardy, and I'm going to go with Dolph Ziggler. Um, 
Who do you think is going to win this? Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, Chris. I'm going to go Matt Hardy with an outside chance of Samoa Joe. Um, just cause oh, I love that idea. Up. I, I think that you could have Bray screw Matt and Matt eliminate or, or, or Samoa Joe eliminate both of them. Or Samoa Joe put them out and then toss them both over the ropes like dead corpses or something. Like, I, I think there's something really cool you could do with Samoa Joe uh, there. If any, if anything else, maybe you do Samoa Joe versus Matt Hardy. You have Matt Hardy win it and you have Samoa Joe choke out Matt Hardy. And then at least you have a feud for Moa to walk back into, but I feel like I, I don't know that you save Samoa Joe here uh, unless you're going to do something really interesting with him during the IC title match after Finn and uh, Miz and Seth do something. So I feel like he's going to be on the show in, in some form. So either here or during the IC title match. If it's here, I think Dolph Ziggler is a good choice. Um, and then obviously either Matt or Bray probably would be my, my top three choices. I just don't see Baron Corbin winning the thing again. Um, and I don't see them giving the nod to a legend like a Mark Henry or, or the Big Show. I could also like see Big Show as, you know, later on in this card with Braun Strowman. So it's kind of where I'm at. I gotcha. Wouldn't Baron Corbin be great if he actually had the saying, you can't see me? You can't see me. All right, uh, Cruiserweight Championship. Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. Um, this is going to be a great match. I've actually watched a lot of 205 Live leading up to this. Um, you'd think that they would give it to Cedric Alexander uh, because of everything that's happened with Enzo. It seemed like he was the next one in place before Enzo left and they did this whole tournament thing. But Mustafa Ali, charismatically, has been great uh, within the ring and also in his promos. And he's such a badass. The fact that he does, his move is ridiculous. I mean, Cedric, the way that they both move, but his final move, what is it, like a, a double uh, shooting star press or whatever? Just nuts. It, it, it's crazy. But who do you think is going to win the Cruiserweight belt? I still have Cedric pinned there for winning it. Um, and the reason being is he has that ball and ass theme song. Sounds kind of like an out, outcast song. I feel like uh, no. I just feel like Cedric could be the guy now, and then you build him versus Mustafa for a while, uh, and you could even turn Cedric heel if you wanted to, because he's not set into a uh, gimmick as much as Mustafa. And they definitely need a top heel um, on 205 Live. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to tell with with the 205 Live guys because we just got the the transition to 205 Live where it actually became entertaining to watch. So. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's a weird situation, and I don't blame that on any of the wrestling on two hundred five live. I really don't. Uh, as we talked no. about, no, no, and it, one I, I would love the, whoever wins to start something up with Drew Gulak. I think he is a great heel, but yeah, that they did it with Cedric. He doesn't have as much to lose. Mustafa, we'll find out. All right, Raw Tag Team Champions, Chip, uh, the Bar versus Braun Strowman, and we have no fucking clue. Um, I'm going to say that Strowman will have a partner. Who the hell it was? I don't know. Big Cass? Oh, God, this is actually where I'm supposed to predict this. So I'm going to predict it's, it, it's actually Elias. The whole rock thing is all bullshit. It's going to be the two of them for some reason, unbeknownst to all of us, 
make a hell of a lot more sense for someone like Big Cass or or, uh, or Samoa Joe. Like, if he's hiding as a secret, you'd think. I don't know. All right, fine. Him and Big Cass will beat the bar, making Braun look strong, have a tag team, and then something will go bad. They'll have a nice feud between the two of them. And by SummerSlam, he'll have the belt on him. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, how do you feel about this? Or is Braun Strowman, Chris, going to be by himself? I know you hate that scenario. I, I think maybe you get Braun Strowman, Big Show as a tag team, and Big Show and Braun end up beating the hell out of each other, and Sheamus and Cesaro walk out tag champions. Um, outside of that, I think you just get a really funny buildup with Big Show and Braun. Uh, both playing comedy characters, which which Big Show has done in the past, leading to some sort of tag team you know, rivalry and um, costing costing themselves the title. I still think Big Show may be the shoe-in here uh, for tag partner. Whether people want to hear that or not, but I, I think there is still a, a really good chance. Uh, just based on the fact that they have feuded, uh, and that's usually how those tag teams work, where two people get smashed together. It's like, oh, the guy I feuded with, like, you know, Rock and Sock Connection, for instance. Or Kevin Owens in, or not Kevin Owens, uh, Daniel Bryan in Kane, if you, if you get what I'm saying. It just just going back on WWE writing, I feel like it's uh, it's very plausible that that's who you get. I would hate it. I would hate it to be Samoa Joe because they're going to want to make it as as comedic as they can because that's kind of what they're doing with Braun's character. And to me, Samoa Joe should be a threat. It should always be a threat, and sh- so should Braun. And it's not fault. It's not Braun's fault that uh, they wrote him some goofy stuff and he kind of nailed it, and the fans are super behind him. Hopefully, he can just make fully that scenario and not, you know, fall into the trap of like, hey, people think you're funny, so do this guy now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's like a lot of people perceive him like he's supposed to be like The Undertaker or something like that. Like, oh, you've exposed. No, I, I don't think that's personality really. I relate him more. I know it's size to size, but I've said this in the past, like, more to Stone Cold. Stone Cold was pretty funny. He did some pretty ridiculous, over the top shit. And especially later on, he was really comedic. So uh, he can still be a badass as long as he keeps on knocking over ambulances and doing shit like that and being dominant, I'm fine with it. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos versus the New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm going to say the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, I think they were added to this for a reason. Um, There is a good chance the Usos might retain. I don't think it's going to New Day regardless. Chris, what do you think? I I still think the Usos walk out tag champs and you build to Usos versus New Day for that. For for the title reign, for who had the title the longest, and I think that might be where they're building. So it's for today, and I think there's a good chance you might see Bludgeon Brothers show up on Raw uh, after demolishing some tag teams uh, on SmackDown. But I, I think the Usos find a way to retain. Uh, New Day obviously hook and crook. There's three of them, um, but I, I think the Usos find a way to walk out of this thing, champions. All right. Uh, United States Championship, Randy Orton, Randall Orton, I should say, versus Bobby Roode versus Jinder Mahal versus Rusev. Before, I don't think Randy's winning. Um, Actually, I think he might take the pin. All right, so my prediction's crazy, but since he was at Monday Night Raw, we might see the Cowboy 
come out and either help Bobby Roode or screw him over completely. He might not even be signed, and I'm talking about um, James Storm, by the way. He might not even be signed or anything like that. They all could be just whatever. But the fact that he was there, he was back behind the scenes, if he runs out, helps Bobby Roode or screws him over, maybe causing a feud between the two of them that will lead Bobby to something to do without the title happening, I would love Rusev to end up winning this. And they put him in this, and they end up giving him the belt. Um, He's had the U.S. belt. He's dominated with it. Um, He would be great. I'm going to be pissed off if Jinder gets it. I'm going to be kind of pissed off if if, uh, Randy retains it. Chris, what do you think? I think Randy is probably going to retain it here. And you're going to have an interesting match where Jinder eats the pin. But uh, I do feel like Randy's going to walk out. They switched it right before the pay-per-view, so I just have a feeling Randy's still going to walk out with it. They're going to continue to build Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton. That's kind of how I feel. And then probably, here's the sidebar, the guy you hate, Jinder, versus the guy you love, Rusev, and I feel like that's where they're going to go with it. Very very good possibility on that. All right, next one is the Intercontinental Championship, The Miz versus Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. The Miz is going to retain this. Finn Balor and the club are going to go to SmackDown. Seth Rollins and Miz will keep on feuding. Seth Rollins will eventually get the IC championship. That's how I see it. Chris, what do you think? I think you have a very good chance of Rollins winning the belt. Um, I still don't think they've abandoned the idea of the Balor club versus the Shield. And I think that Seth probably walks out championing it. Uh, I would love to see the Miz retain and you just do a, a Seth versus Finn feud um, because of their hatred towards each other that's retains and then he drops it when you want Miz to drop it. You do it right after WrestleMania, similar to uh, Zack Ryder if they wanted to go that route. But uh, more realistically, it's probably going to be Seth walking out champion. I, I kind of hope for that, but actually I kind of hope the Miz wins, but Either will I'll be happy. I'll be happy if any of those guys win. There's not like a pissed off scenario like with the U.S. title belt. All right, Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax. What I hope happens um, is Carmella actually cashes in. Uh, maybe Alexa Bliss does something really heelish to win the match, does something to Nia, you know, maybe while the, the ref's head's turned or whatever. And then Carmella comes out, cashes it in, takes it from Alexa, goes to Raw, obviously. Um, all right, if that's not really a, a scenario that's – man, this is really hard. Do I just want to say Alexa Bliss? Because Nia seems like the person that would win if there wasn't that type of concept. All right, screw it. I'm going to go Nia Jax. Chris, who do you think is going to win? I'm going Nia Jax with either Carmella showing up here or showing up on the next match, uh, getting absolutely squashed. I think Nia needs the title here uh, after being bullied so hard by Alexa Bliss. Alexa kind of needs to be put in her place. I think Nia winning it would be a positive thing, um, and it gives you somewhere for Ronda to be built towards. Because Ronda's not going anywhere soon, whether people like her or not, and it makes sense for Ronda Rousey to want to go after this monster named Nia Jax. Uh, and there's ways you can get there. So I, I think that's the way I would. All right, moving along. SmackDown Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair versus Asuka. Asuka, well, the thing is, Charlotte could definitely win. 
I think regardless if Carmella comes in to do whatever, that Oscar will win this match against Charlotte. Chris, do you see it differently? I go back and forth on this because I could definitely see Charlotte winning the match and ending Oscar's streak. And the reason I say this is because you can build to the rematch uh, with draft, figure out ways to get this done to be get the rebound match, right? Um. And at some point, you have to end Oscar's streak. She can't be undefeated for forever, just realistically, or you're just going to devour your women's division until there's no one left for her to beat, unless you're going to save her for Ronda Rousey, which I also don't necessarily like. So I think Charlotte Flair winning is, is a possibility. Um, and probably what I would go with, just because it's WrestleMania and WWE's weird in the sense that they're like built Charlotte Flair from the ground up, uh, even though that's not necessarily true, but it's kind of how they see it, of uh, her being one of the four horsewomen. Maybe it's a great Charlotte moment. It's an awesome moment. I don't know. So I, I originally I was leaning towards Oscar, but I, I kind of lean toward Charlotte now. Um, I'm also kind of leaning towards there being some bullshit in this match. That's up. And it, it could be Charlotte just turning full heel and being the heel, like the same heel her dad was, the role that she was playing on Raw and kind of being really shitty. I just hope that it's not like, hey, there's Ric Flair, let him help screw over Asuka, or hey, there's Dana Brooke, or I hope it's that she just cheats legitimately. <laughs> like maybe some brass nuts yeah. or something. You yeah. know, like yeah, there's that, ways that would work. Um, I think there's ways Charlotte can win, become a heel. She's not fully face yet anyways. I think there's ways that you can turn her into the heel. And Asuka needs a good heel to face anyways, unless you're throwing her back on Raw. Especially because Nia Jax is kind of a baby face now. Um, otherwise, Asuka wins, and who does she face? I guess Becky Lynch, if she wins the uh, Battle Royal, and are you going to turn Becky Lynch heel? At the end of the day, she's got to have someone to face. Um so I, 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 I'm going to go Charlotte Flair winning this match. I don't know how she's going to win it, but I do think that she's probably going to walk out on top. How she wins it, I think, could be really shitty. Uh, but it's also good to get the get the streak off Asuka's back so that you're not just constantly having her beat everyone in the division. All right, our next match, Daniel Bryan and Shane versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um... All right, there could be a possibility where one of them could screw over the other and go heel, but I'm just going to say that Dan O'Brien and Shane McMahon, after lots of crazy spots and lots of fun back and forth, they win the match. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn show up on Raw Monday night and are drafted onto Raw. That's what I think is going to happen. I don't think that there's too many weird scenarios that will pop up out of this like a lot of people think. Chris, what do you think? Realistically, if they don't change anything about this match, Daniel Bryan makes Kevin Owens tap to with the LaBelle lock, and then you have the split up of Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, um, leading possibly to a feud with Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan, or a feud with Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. Um, it's just unfortunate I don't care more about this outside of the fact that I'm really excited to see Daniel Bryan wrestling it. So, yeah, uh, Kevin Owens goes to Raw, and, and uh, El Generico shows up on NXT. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. One can only. Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle versus – that would be cool. I'd be down. Seventy McMahon and Triple H versus Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle. I feel like Ronda Rousey has to make Stephanie tap out at the end of this match to make her look strong. Unless they're trying to do the authority thing and somehow they screw him over. I think it would be a stupid scenario. Kurt might take the pin, but I'm going to say Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle after Ronda Rousey submits Stephanie. What do you think, Chris? I think you can go two ways with this. You either have Ronda Rousey turn on Kurt Angle, causing Triple H to win the match, and you turn her heel, which would be interesting. They're probably not going to do that, but I think the more realistic situation is Ronda Rousey has Stephanie McMahon in some sort of submission, and Kurt Angle has Triple H in the ankle lock, and they both tap out at the same time, and you get your uh, finish from last year with, you know, Miz and uh, was it Miz and Bree versus uh, no Miz and <laughs> damn it Maurice. that John Cena Miz match <laughs> with Maurice and Bree. Sorry, I kept this, mixing that up, but I think you might get the double tap finish uh, with obviously Kurt and Ronda winning it, uh, and Kurt paying the price on Raw or Ronda paying the price on Raw when they bring in a comparable. I think a really cool idea would be. If they win and you want to continue to build this against the authority with Ronda Rousey, then you, to me, Ember Moon is a good go-to uh, for someone to go against Ronda. And I think that could be very neat. We almost pull them up like they did Samoa Joe to step in the spot to merge. You know, I keep on saying it. it sucks that she hasn't been in NXT long enough, but, man, Shayna Baszler was like a female Samoa Joe, if you think about it would be perfect to pin against their best friend and that type of scenario. Who knows? Maybe they'll try that out. Um, next match, WWE Championship, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura. The sequel to the match that Shinsuke beat him at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm going to say Shinsuke Nakamura. Chris? I have Nakamura as well. Uh, I feel like that they know that AJ Styles doesn't need the belt to be over. I feel like this is the shot of giving the artist, please, for love of God, stop calling him that, um, the title, to see what he can do with it. Um, and I think it opens up some cool matches. If Daniel Bryan is going to be a full-time wrestler, then now you can start working him towards Nakamura versus Daniel Bryan, which is pretty intriguing. Nakamura versus AJ Styles uh, for number one contendership. Uh, there's lots of cool things he can do with this. Uh, and I think Nakamura... AJ losing the title doesn't mean shit, especially if they just move him to Raw right after. Uh, he's already lost the title. I mean, he's already lost the title, what, twice on SmackDown? So it's not that huge of a deal. If he loses the title. So, giving it to Nakamura at WrestleMania is a big WrestleMania moment for Nakamura. AJ Styles has had some WrestleMania moments and uh, obviously not afraid to take a pin. His very first WrestleMania, he lost to Chris Jericho. And I think fans will be happy that Nakamura win. I could be completely wrong. Me, me preferably, I would, I would rather see AJ Styles win. It's the house that AJ Styles built, so to speak. Um, but if you're going to give Nakamura a run, this is the match to give it to him in, and then you can do the rebound matches with AJ Styles if you want and build up some outside competition. And, uh, so I, I, I'm also going Nakamura. 
All right. Our last match, of course, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I, uh, I feel like Roman Reigns has to win this. Even if Brock sticks around, I think it's going to be more of like a feud with Bobby Lashley um, than anything, maybe. I think that would be the only thing they'd stick around for. Um, I think Roman Reigns finally going to win this. We're going to finally see uh, this, the next phase, basically, to Vince's experiment. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Chris, uh, do you see it any differently? No, I see Roman Reigns winning this and Brock Lesnar riding off into the sunset for a while. Uh, as far as I know, him and Paul Heyman haven't re-signed contracts after WrestleMania, and they tried to jam as many Brock Lesnar appearances in beforehand as they could. I think he'll probably be there the day after Mania, set something up down the line, but Brock Lesnar, I think, is looking for a UFC fight, so I, I, that's pretty much set in stone. You have no swerve, you have no money in the bank, you don't have a way out of this, you're going to have to put it on Roman Reigns, you have to deal with whatever comes after it. Um, I don't recommend they end the night with this match, and I don't think they will. I think they'll end the match with AJ versus Nakamura, or on a crazy note, maybe they go, maybe they go SmackDown uh, Women's Champion Charlotte versus Austin. But I think this match gets thrown in the similar Brock Goldberg uh, timeline that happened last year. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. I, both, both those SmackDown matches I would way prefer as the main event uh, over that one. All right, let's go to NXT TakeOver New Orleans. This might be the last thing that we cover before we start wrapping this up. Uh, the first match we're going to go over is the NXT North American Championship. It's the new title that Triple H just unveiled. It's another title. That's all I have to say about it. Uh, ladder match, but great participants in this match, Chris. As we found out on NXT, Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet versus EC3. To me, Velveteen Dream, Ricochet, and EC3 would be the three I would go with. I think Dream and Ricochet are going to start a rivalry in this and going to cost each other the match. I don't think either big man's going to get it. I could see Adam Cole getting it, but he's going to be in a tag match now later on. Well, actually, it might be before this match, but he's going to be in two matches that night, so I don't know about that. I actually think EC3 is going to win the NXT North American Championship. I have a funny feeling who you're going to pick. Crown the motherfucking king. I think Ricochet is walking out champion. I think that's the smart move. I think there's lots of other stuff you could do with EC3. I don't think he's on the same level as Ricochet. I like EC3 at all, but... Ricochet is the guy you can build this entire division around. And you're talking about North American Championship. I think they see Adam Cole in the heavyweight title spot. I don't think Lars Lars Sullivan looks like a giant uh, – uh, what, what did I call him last time? A giant vault condom or something? That's kind of how he looks. I don't think he has a look. Killian Dane's awesome. Velveteen Dream's awesome. But once again, I, I still see them revamping Velveteen versus uh, Alistair. I, I think that's a money match for the title. Um, I think Adam Cole's kind of in the same situation. So that, to me, they haven't done it yet, but have the guy walk in to one of his first matches on NXT and, and walk out the champ. So if you're, if it's me, I'm going Ricochet or EC3, but I, I'm hard Ricochet on this because this is supposed to be their IC title. And I think Ricochet is a great person to start it out with. He's fucking phenomenal. Uh, and him and Velveteen Dream pro- 
probably going to be the best two in this match. I like Adam Cole and all, but I know that there's going to be a segment there with Velveteen and Ricky James. Be uh, I'm really Yeah, Rick, Ricochet should win because I think he reminds me of Pat Patterson a lot, too. Um, people didn't figure out what I meant by that. Just don't get wrestling. Ricochet anyway, or... the NXT won. Ricochet or yeah, what? He's supposed to win. No, 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 no. You said Ricochet <laughs> is supposed to win. He would be the first champion, and you related to the IC champion, and the IC and the first one was Pat Patterson. Come on, Chris. Oh, God. Well, if we're going Pat Patterson, then obviously Lars Olsen. It's all done, but then you put it together like this. All right, NXT Women's <laughs> Championship. Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, this is going to go to Shayna Baszler. Ember Moon is going to make her debut on either Raw SmackDown the following week. That's what I think. Maybe Ember Moon will stick it out for a little bit longer, but uh, I think it's a good time to transition this. Um, what do you think, Chris? Oh, man, I think they might wait three months and have her drop the title. Ember Moon might walk out uh, champion here, so I'm gonna go with Ember. I just I'm not there yet on Shayna Baszler, especially knowing that she's got to carry that entire, entire division the same way that Oscar did. So they find until they get Carrie Zane versus Ember Moon, which I think they're they're building to, honestly. See, I feel like they could be going with. Shayna Baszler winning, Oscar, or um, Amber Moon going up, and then Carrie Zane's going to be the one that challenges Shayna to, to eventually get the title off of her. Uh, but they usually don't have short champions, so who knows. Next one is an unsanctioned match. Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Man, it would be so fucked up if Tommaso wins. But if he does, Johnny does not come back to NXT. So that would kind of make sense, because then he could you know, possibly show up on 205 Live, SmackDown or Raw. Um, but maybe they want to keep him in there. Maybe they want Johnny Gargano to first go against Aleister Black. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to pick Johnny Gargano, though, because that's who I want to win. Chris? I have Gargano winning as well. And I think that maybe you get the handshake after the match or something weird. I, I think you could do some cool thing where, like, you know, we could always put him back together as a tag team, uh, which I'd be okay with as long as the match justifies that. Um, it's unsanctioned, so you're going to get one hell of a beatdown between these two dudes. So it'd be really cool just to be like, okay, they're DIY again. Um, which I would be fine with, because there's a need for tag teams um, in a lot of different scenarios. But I, I think it's a really good setting, uh, especially going back to you know what happened last year. It's going to be a fun match. You could go either way with it, but I'm definitely going Gargano. I, I feel like this is a feel-good match. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, Chris is hoping, and I mean it's good hopes and dreams, that DIY gets back together. And it's uh, I kind of want Tommaso Ciampa, even if he loses or wins, to do Kalema and rip out Johnny Gargano's heart and then put it on him. Um, <laughs> way of looking at things, really. Uh, I just, I, I think they built uh, Chomp into, into such a great heel, especially his promo stuff in the last couple of shows. But that would be awesome too. I'll go either way, but I think that Johnny is going to win NXT Tag Team Championship. Undisputed Era, who are the champion. Unfortunately, Bobby Fish is out for several months, so uh, Kyle O'Reilly is going to be teaming with Adam Cole. Like I said, this might happen before the North American title match. I assume it will actually. 
Um, I don't know which one's going to be less painful for, for Adam, but I think Undisputed Era is going to retain against the Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne. There is a small chance Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne will win. I don't think so. I think Authors of Pain and hopefully their manager, uh, Paul Ellering, will be going to Raw or SmackDown very soon. So this will be their transition out. Chris, what do you think? I think Authors of Pain win again. Honestly, I think they picked the tag team championships back up here, and the way they play it out is that Adam Cole was already in a crazy match, in a ridiculous match, and Pete Dunne was already in crazy matches at Access, and I think they show us footage of Access. It's like, hey, look, Pete Dunne already did this in this other match, um, and then they're going to be like, Authors of Pain are completely fresh, and they get the beat down. I could be wrong. Maybe they go undisputed error, but uh, I'm kind of leaning at this at this point in time to authors of pain. All right, and our last one, NXT Championship, Andretti Cianamos versus Alistair Black. Um, oof, this is a great match. Selena Vega, obviously manager of Andretti Cianamos. I kind of, I, I, I really, I'm, 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 Chris knows I'm a huge Alistair. Black Mark. Uh, um, I'll admit that. My bark is what we're called. Um, and uh, I think it's his time. I think it's his time to do this for a good while. Give him a chunk. And I think Andretti, with Selena helping him out, could do really well on Raw SmackDown. He's incredible in the ring. He's not bad on the mic. You know, he doesn't know as much English, obviously, as his manager, but she makes up for it, kind of like a Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar situation. So, the two of them together, I think, could be a pretty great combination, um, and I think they could do really well on SmackDown. Um, don't well, I, I keep on hating saying don't put them on two or five live because it's getting better, but don't put them on two or five live. Chris, who's winning the championship? I mean, I think Cianalos outweighs their two or five live limit. So, if we're going to get realistic, I don't think they could. Um, Alistair Black, I think, is walking out champ. And for good reason, because I, like I said, I feel like you want the the Velveteen Dream uh, rematch between him and him and Alistair. Uh, same thing like Adam Cole and Alistair Black, uh, Drew McIntyre when he comes back versus Alistair Black. I think Alistair Black has a year of work ahead of him, um, within reason if they want to put the title on him uh, for different people that he can face. So I, I think it's a good move. All right. Well, uh, we got a couple of minutes, Chris. Do you want to try to do these lightning round uh, for Impact and uh, Ring of Honor? Sure. All right. We're going to do Impact versus Lucha Underground. This will be on the same time that the uh, the whatever the awards, uh, WWE Hall of Fame awards. So, but this will be obviously at the same time. Impact versus Lucha Underground. Austin Aries and Ray Phoenix versus Alberto El Patron and Pentagon Jr. A little mixed matchup. I think that Austin Aries and Phoenix will win. What do you think, Chris? I have Alberto El Patron and Pentagon Jr. winning uh, with the buildup for title matches outside of that uh, later on. So I think that's the way they would book that. But I could be completely crazy. All right, Eddie Edwards um, versus Jeremiah Crane. A.K. Oh man, I can't remember what his, what his name is for the life of me. Sally, Ka- Sammy Callahan. Um, obviously, we know the past with this. Probably has the biggest buildup out of all of them. I quit match. 
I think that Eddie Edwards is going to win to give him a little bit of redemption. Sammy will let him have the win. What do you think, Chris? I think Eddie Edwards has has to win here just to kind of get that monkey off his shoulder and hopefully calm Twitter the hell down. <laughs> All right, Allie, the knockout champion against Taya Valkyrie. Um, I like Allie. She's cute, she's dainty, and she's a pretty damn good wrestler, especially when she works with her best friend, Rosemary. But Taya Valkyrie is a badass, and I kind of hope that she wins. Jenny Mendoza, wife, I believe, or maybe uh, fiancé. Chris? I, I definitely have uh, Taya Valkyrie winning here as well. All right, LAX versus Killshot and the Mac. Man, I'm going Killshot and the Mac, and I love LAX. I think they're awesome, but dude, the Mac's a badass. Killshot's a badass. Shane Strickland. I think they're going to beat LAX, the uh, tag champions of Impact. What do you think? I think they're very great, but uh, I have a hard time just oh, – man, I think LAX is also a great tag team, and I think the the entire gimmick of LAX make, might overrun Killshot and the Mac. There might be some interference in the match. Uh, it, it, after all, it is Impact, so I think you have a good shot at LAX walking out with the tag champs. Um, but I do – I don't think it's Xavier. Good. I don't think this. I don't think that finish will be clean. I should say. There's a good possibility that Conan will get involved, like he usually does. Desmond Xavier, Andrew Everett, and DJ Z versus Drago, King Kiarto, and Aerostar. I only know DJ Z and Drago, honestly, guys. So I'm gonna go Drago because I like him better with his team of King Kiarto and uh, Aerostar from Lucha Underground. Chris, I'm also going Drago. Uh, oh God, King and Aerostar for sure on that particular match. I can never pronounce King's last name. I, I'm terrible at it, but, uh, yeah, that's the tech team. All right, uh, let's, let's try to go through this, uh, this bill for Ring of Honor. First one is Kelly Klein and uh, Mayu Iwiatani. Uh, I probably butchered that. For the Women's of Honor Championship, I've not watched any of this. I'm going to say Kelly Klein because I actually know her. I'm sorry to do that. Uh, it's one of the semifinal matches. Chris? Uh, I'm probably going to go Kelly Klein just because I, I feel like, if I'm not mistaken, she has been signed with the Ringer of Honor for a while. Uh, that's kind of a terrible way to do it, but I feel like that's the way it's going to end up going. And the other one, obviously, Sumi Sasaki versus Tanel Dashwood for the other semifinal match. So the winners of these two will, will go against each other. Who's winning between Tanel and Sumi, Chris? Uh, I think Sumi uh, has a good shot here. Uh, she's worked in Ring of Honor for a little bit on and off, and uh, obviously, with it being the semifinal, I think they're going to do you know one one probably uh, Kelly versus me. I think that's a uh, probably where they're building towards. All right, the next match, and if this is in order, it's going to be the third match on the card, which is crazy. Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. Cody's going to win by doing some heelish shit. That's what I think. I love Kenny Omega, but. That's how I feel. They've been building it up. Being that's, that Cody is more involved with, uh, being that Cody is more involved with the Ring of Honor, I think you might, you're going to end up seeing Cody win in some form or fashion. I don't think it'll be clean, but I think uh, you could see Cody win here. Then again, maybe they have something worked out with New Japan. Kenny did just see the pin. You could see Co- Kenny win. I this one's hard for me to predict. It could go either way because it's building feuds between two companies, which is a weird thing that doesn't happen that often. All right, the champion, Dalton Castle versus Marty Skrull. 
Um, I haven't really not that been that big of a fan of Dalton. I think he's a good wrestler, but his gimmick's all right to me. I'd love to see Marty, the villain, become the Ring of Honor champion. So I'm going to go with him. Chris? I'm going to go with Dalton Castle. I think he retains here, and Marty probably catches it down the line a little bit. Um, but I, I like Dalton Castle's gimmick a little bit more than yours, probably, more than you, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Hangman Page versus Kota Ibushi. It should be a great match. Kota Ibushi, I think, is going to win. Unless Cody wins and then he does something in this match to make sure Kota loses, something could. But I think Kota Ibushi should win, I should say. Chris? I'm also going to go with Kota Ibushi on this one. I think that you you could swap six and three on winners or losers, depending on if they're going to build a storyline out of it, though. Uh, with Cody versus Kenny and Hangman versus Kota, I think you could get a follow-up tag match out of that, so it just depends on what they do. All right, then we got SoCal Uncensored, and we'll talk to Christopher Daniels next week about this. Oh, yeah, we're going to have his air interview next Wednesday at uh, at 6 o'clock, guys. It's Christopher Daniels, Frank Kazarian, Scorpio Sky versus Flip Gordon and the Young Bucks. As much as I love uh, Christopher Daniels, I got to go with the Young Bucks. Um, I just... I feel like after their loss, they could use a win. It's Ring of Honor, and it's for the uh, six-man tag team championship. So, I don't know. Chris, what do you think? I'm going on the outside. I'm going to go SoCal Uncensored. I think uh, I think it's a ladder match, uh, and Chris Daniels is sneaky, and he probably walks out with the tag belt. So, that's, I'm going to go with SoCal. All right, so Ishii versus Punishment Martinez. I'm going Ishii. What do you think? Um... This one's hard. I, I'm probably going to go Ishii as well on this one. All right, Kenny King versus Silas Young for the Ring of Honor World Television Champion and a last man standing. I'm going Silas. What do you think? I think Silas Young as well. The build-up to this has been really good, and last man standing, it's a good way to transfer the title, so I think Silas Young is a good choice here. Silas Young's like a modern uh, Valentine, man. Anyways, the Briscoes, Mark and Jay versus Jay Lethal and, Hir- and um, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I would love to see Jay Lethal and Tanahashi win, but I don't think it's going to happen. Briscoes are going to win and get the and retain their titles. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you 100%, especially because Tanahashi is going to be going against Okada. Uh, so this one kind of is just the way of the world is falling around All right, guys, we went over everything. Chris, say goodbye to all the good people out there. All right, everyone, have a great night, and have a wonderful week, and enjoy WrestleMania this weekend. Hopefully me and Dane will get something out of you guys on and off throughout the weekend. All right, you guys have a good one, and always keep on listening to us. Make sure you clean out your ears, all right? What? 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 Peace out, guys. Have a good one.